your church years ago because we shared a facility in Dewarty and I was friends with your pastor. I'm privileged to be here. I, I am grateful to you the last time I was here, how you loved on my friends and my family here. And I'm going to talk because uh, they have to be out of here at 11 o'clock today for another appointment, so I'll make sure I pause and sneak you guys out. A couple things that are always nutty to me. And for me, when I see God do things that are beyond me, it's kind of nutty. So when, where's the worship guru? There he goes, he's slipping out the back. When he came and told me about this conference that he had come from, it was crazy what he was telling me. They focused on psalms, they focused on hymns, and just how it lifted him. The church where I serve, we are a seasonal church. Right now we run about 350, and now we'll grow over the next month and a half to about 1,200. We have a team of pastors. I am blessed to serve with some incredible godly men. One of them named Sid Buzzle, who was a Dallas seminary professor. If you ever read Daily Bread or ever go online and take their seminary classes that they offer for free online on how to study the Bible, he's the one that teaches them all. He's the one I get to hang out with. Um, a lot of those pastors. But guess what our focus has been the last six months? Psalms. So here this young man comes all excited about it. Guess what the other thing we're in the middle of? For the last six months, we've been searching for a new worship person. Because we're seeing that the incoming generation of 40 and under, they love the sanctity of hymns. So we've been interviewing and, and searching, and, and last week we brought in who is the person we are going to hire, which is from Nashville. This is nutty. So he comes in with a guitar only, and we used to, you know, we got the big choirs and all the rock star stuff. And he leads like this young man just did in front of our church. And I've been there almost a year. It's the first time I heard the entire church sing. So isn't it cool how God is working and you guys, and it's, it's just coincidences that happens. Uh, this particular um, subject that we're talking, what keeps us from a fruitful life, and next week we're going to look at fruitful relationships, I kind of pick just to encourage you guys because I happen to believe this church will be fruitful as you move forward. And, and I've seen the fruitfulness, but seasons happen. Seasons, if you're ever working youth ministry, youth ministries, they're seasons. They go through, they grow, they do this. Churches have seasons. Rick Warren says... You know, even saddlebacks had seasons and things and stuff like that, but there's, there's trends. In our lives, we have seasons where sometimes we're going like, where's our fruit? What's going on? What's these things that are happening? So I've been diving into this a little bit in preparation to hang out with you guys. And you never know how God's going to use God's Word because it was, I wanted to encourage you guys. I get a call yesterday from a friend saying, I need you to call my brother. I'm going, what's up? I haven't seen his brother in probably 10, 15 years. He said, he's going to take his life tonight. I'm going like, well, what do you want me to do? He lives a thousand miles away from here. Well, I just need you to reach out to him. I said, well, I need to know where he lives because if he's at this point, I need to get professional help and an ambulance and, and do those things. He's, he won't get, let me know where he's living. So I call him last night. And I called, and I called, and he didn't pick up. And he finally picked up late last night. And I said, hey, this is Marshall. I haven't talked to you for 10 years, but I, I'm reaching out to you. 
and I want to talk to you, and I need you to tell me where you're at at the end of this conversation. I need to be able to get you help. I need to be able to get you in counseling. And um, he lost, he actually lived here in Glendora. He lost his family. He lost his kids. He had a thriving business that just went under. And he was very involved as an elder in his church and a teacher. And he just felt like he lost it all, that he hasn't had an impact at all. So what did I do? I practiced my sermon on him. So he promised me, when I get out of here, I'm calling him, he promised me he was going to go to his church that he hadn't been to because the first thing Satan does is isolate us away from people when we don't feel fruitful and we feel like failures. So he promised me he was going to go to church. So when I'm out of here this morning, he promised me he was going to go share that he needed help. So be praying for me that I hope the truth of this scripture impacted this young man today. Amen? Heavenly Fathers, we come to your word, unplug our ears, open our eyes. Lord, just soften our hearts to take it. We love you, Lord. I'm grateful for the crazy, wonderful things you do that I know that no man can orchestrate, only Almighty God. In your name, amen. So what keeps us from a fruitful life? I'm going to look back once in a while. You can hang there for a minute. Okay, first of all, I'm going to ask you some very pointed questions. Who do you know right now in your life that's making a significant impact for God? Just think about it. Who do you know? Personally. What about this person that you're thinking about right now seems really important to them? What seems important to them? What are some of those traits that you have about this person, that you know about this person, that you would like said about you? What do you, you believe about your life that you want God to produce in your life today? What do you guys believe? Do you believe that you're going to have a prize-winning harvest, the most bumper crop that you've ever seen in your life before today? Is that where you're at? Do you believe you're headed for a good showing, that God's going to do some mighty things through you? Where Marshall, I'm wrestling. I, it seems like poor pickings right now. I'm hurting. I've been through some tough things, my health, these things. I'm a little confused right now what results really means in my life. Or maybe you just feel plum empty. You need to make a change, and it needs to happen soon. Now for me, when I see people that are wrestling with fruitfulness and wrestling what they can do for God, and when, when those ugly things and I, and are whispered into our ears, when we're rehearsing them in our mind, here are some of the things that I see get in the way of us being fruitful as a church or as individuals. First of all, um, Marshall, I'm just, I hate this one, and it, I hear it all, I'm just too ordinary. I'm not gifted. How can God produce anything in my life? Do you realize the Bible says that you are magnificently made? That it says that you are a masterpiece. So when I hear people tell me, and I heard this last night, that I'm just, I don't have it anymore. I'm going like, let me, let me prove it to you. I love showing people what God can do in their life. Or church. Here's one I hear all the time this day and age. I'm just too busy to be fruitful. Too caught up, I'm running around chasing the kids, I'm 10 hours a day at the job, I'm just too pro to worry about what I produce that is lasting and eternal. 
I'm too discouraged. I'm defeated. I'm just indifferent about church today. Church really doesn't make a difference. These are the things that I hear, and I, and I just see how evil defeats. Or, man, I'm just not experienced enough to really have an impact on anything today. We're going to open up. If your Bibles will be in John 15, it will be up on the screen. I love this passage. I'd have you stand for reading because I like that, but it's a long passage so you can relax. Amen? I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Okay? Who's the vine? Jesus. Who's the gardener? You got that straight. There's a test. Okay? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. If you're in Old Testament, it says abide in me. I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. See, my friend that's suffering, he isolated himself away from God, away from Christ, away from friends. Do you see the battle? It must remain in the vine. Who's the vine? You guys are good. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Who's the branches? All right, let's try this. I am a branch. Okay? Let's try this. I am a branch. One, two, three. That was weak. Back row? I didn't hear you. Okay? Ready? On three. One, two, three. Now, if you get this, if you get this part and you remember how to connect, I'm done for the day. Because the fruit will be there. So just remember who you are. You are not the gardener. You are not the vine. You are... Ooh. Hmm. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you will do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. Now some people misquote that and say, oh, I'm going to hell if I'm disconnected from God. Now, there is that part. But this is actually talking about how to be lifted up, how to depend on God, how to connect, how to be in that life force, the vine uh, that you connect with the Holy Spirit. So don't get carried away because I've seen this mistreated and you're going to hell. Well, this is the value of how do you stay connected to God to see fruitfulness. And I don't want you to miss that. If you remain in my words and, you remain, and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself as disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will be, um, remain in my love as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Complete. Ooh, there's something happening here. My command is this. Love each other as I 
have loved you. This next slide, I love this. If you are into the book of John, I highly recommend it. As you go through it, this is the descriptions in the book of John of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. This is just John. I am the gate that we go through. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and life. And then you come to this. It's like, wow, listen to all this stuff. And then you come to the final buildup, and I am the vine. I am the vine? What is that all about? Well, I think it's pretty powerful. I am the true vine. The Father is the gardener. Now remember, there's a test. Who is the branch? Okay. John 15.1, I am the branch. Next slide. God is the gardener. So if you need pruning, it's not you who does it. It's not you. It's the gardener who's going to prune. When you go through those difficult times, those difficult things, and you need to have some things pruned in your life. Jesus is the vine. I am the branch. So, key point here. The connectedness. If you look at the the word abide, or you look at remain, when you study it in its original Greek tense, it is this ability to commune with God and connect with Him in a way that is so strong that the Holy Spirit and the things that happen in it and anything that gets in the way Stay attached. Stay attached. That young man I talked to last night, here I know who his faith is, I know who he was, but he disconnected from communing with God and in that he heard the horrible lies there was. And he's sitting in the dark in his room and hadn't been out of the house in three days. So the first thing I said, go outside, man. Practice Philippians 4.8 and start looking... Whatever's lovely and truth in, in your life. Because that's what God wants you to hear and be grateful for. Stay attached. Whether it's ministry or church. Like, oh, what's going to happen to my church? Or what's the next step? Whether it's family. Whether it's finances. Whether it's relationships. Whether it's transition or loss. you got to lay down as a sheep and listen. The one thing I've learned about this world, and I've seen in churches, there is a stinking lot of stressed sheep because they forgot to commune and remain in God. That's why I think these hymn things are so important right now because people are hungry to hear the truth of the words that are in hymns so they can connect into the presence of God. Amen? It seems so simple, Marshall, to stay connected to the vine And it's simply to follow Jesus and try to do that in every part and every aspect of my life. But there is so much that do it. Simply to rest as His sheep and know that He is the vine and I need to connect and commune with God. Simple. But that's where life comes from. That's where this passage says. It also says He cuts off the branch and that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Those difficult times, the pruning, the the waiting, the waiting for a pastor, those things. Why do you think God has you waiting for a pastor? Maybe He's doing some pruning here. Growing you to depend on 
Christ abide in him rather than a personality or a person. So then, man, when you hire your new pastor, he's going to be able to lead without a lot of pressure. So what is fruit, Marshall? Now, there's all kinds of descriptions. I love the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all the fruit of the Spirit. So what is fruit in this passage? What is it really talking about? It is basically talking about you being more like Jesus. It's not about you getting new cars or those things or winning souls. That's fruit too. That's mentioned in other parts in the Bible. But here it is talking specifically that you are going to be more Christ-like. That you are going to have a kingdom eternal impact as you fruit multiplies. Isn't that what we want is an eternal kingdom impact on our kids, on our grandkids, on our neighbors, and on our friends. There are branches that are cut off. You remember Judas? Cut off. But in this sense, in this, where it says it, it, in different um, things, it, the cut off, or sometimes it says lifted up or taken to, there's more happening in this passage. The lift up or take away in the original Greek, it means trying to tie up or reconnect. So I want you to imagine this just for a minute. Because here's the thing. Christ wants you to thrive. He wants this church to thrive. And I, I kind of read this. I actually stole it from David Wilkerson. Part of the church, the part of the church that helps so much is we're, the church is kind of like the trellis. You guys ever do any gardening? Actually, when I studied this, I went over and hung out with a, a, a winemaker and, and saw his crop, and I, and I didn't taste the wine. Wait a minute. No, I didn't really. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, this trellis that they tie up, whether it's wires or something, I sort of started seeing this as the church. So when we're being fruitful or we're doing these things, it's kind of like how you get interwoven with relationships and people to remind you who you are, who you can encourage. Because this young man I talked about, when he was connected, when he was thriving, when he was remaining in Christ, he was the greatest encourager and builder of the church that I ever saw. He just needed to be tied up back to that trellis. He just needed to be connected and woven with other people who want to grow in their character and be Christ-like. John 15, 2-3. I will be pruned. Branches, you got to understand. Next slide. You must understand pruning. It's for your good. Sometimes things are taken away because if there's pruning, it was interesting. Last night, um, in where I live, and it was hot, with like 110, but I got these huge fruit trees, and I got the little basket, and I've been there a year now. We bought this home. I've never, the tree is just full of fruit that's rottening. And I started looking at the tree, and it's starting to look a little sad. So I got the little basket and spent the next two hours pulling all the fruit out of it. And you guys all know what's going to happen. That dried, the ugly fruit that's withered up, that tree's going to prosper and bear better fruit, Right? Pruning is unavoidable, but it's necessary for us to have better fruit. The Father has only one criteria, only one in your life. He wants to get the most fruit out of the branch. He wants the most Christ-like qualities, eternal qualities in you out of that branch. But here's the deal. Pruning hurts at times. It hurts where you don't think you're where you are or what you should do or, or pain keeps you from doing things or whatever it may, or loss, it hurts. But we need to be woven in that trellis. Verse 4, remain.
in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I must abide in Christ. What do you say? I like abide because it just sounds more spiritual than can, you know, remain. So say it with me. Abide. Abide. Commune. Take time. Connect to Almighty God. Stay 100% attached to Christ. Personal relationship. So what happens when we seek God, when we want to abide, when we want to remain in Him? One of the promises in the Bible in James 4.8, it says, draw near to God and He will... Oh, you guys are like seminary students. you got the whole Bible memorized. This is important when you're trying to abide with God because the living presence of God Himself is drawing near to you. It's there for you. For you to be fruitful. Help is on its way. Do you see that incredible promise I got to give that young man last night? Help is on its way. God has more for us than becoming nicer people. Oh, I want to be nice. He wants to flood you with the same power, the same gifts that Christ has that raised Him from the dead. It's difficult to grow spiritually um, when I struggle with security and stability based on outside things. Oh, my house is falling apart. Oh, I got this bill. And I, I can be the biggest bummer in the summer dude you've ever seen when some bills arrive in the house. I know you guys are more spiritual than me. But then i got to like, God, look what you've done for me. Look at the things you have done for me. Help me to remain. Help me to be stable in that fact because I want an eternal impact on my family and on my friends. Our peace must come from being connected. Our peace comes from being connected to the vine. Our stability. Not circumstances or relationships. It comes because you abide with the vine. And the power of the Holy Spirit's our sense of reality must be rooted, interwoven with Christ because He abides in us, we abide in Him. That's an amazing thing. But that's what the Word says. So when it's some other areas of our life, we need when you're struggling to experience the security of Christ. Next slide. So what happens, Marshall? What happens when we abide in Him? If the Scripture, you go on farther in there, it says joy. It talks about joy. It says what happens when we abide in Him, it says, my words abide in you. You're connected to God. You're in, in this. And I'm not talking about going through the motions of reading the Bible or praying. Those are important. So like, oh, where's this nut going? I'm talking about letting the words hide in your heart and connect and let them breathe and speak to you and, and raise you up and help you connect to them. Just don't go through the motions. It says, my words abide in you. So it goes on to say in that passage, prayer and promise are always linked together. When it says you're in communion, you're in prayer, you're in this, the promises are true. Let me remember that one. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Okay, everybody remembers that part. God loves me, He remains in my love, right? 
Here's the part we forget. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's command, I remain in the love. See, there's something about when you abide in His love, you, you abide, you obey. Now this takes a heavy pressure off when you're raising teenagers. I know none of you, you all raised perfect teenagers and they never had a problem. But I, I've never been good at being my kid's Holy Spirit or their conscience. But when you teach them that when they have a relationship with Christ, it's not about rules and regulations. It's those disobedience that disconnect us from the vine. They get in the way. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's hate, whether it's, whether it's bitterness, whatever it is. Bye, kids. I love you. <clears throat> Thank you for coming all the way out here. I have amazing kids, by the way. That disconnects us, right? So how do I abide in His love? You obey. You obey. Jesus, the way Jesus obeyed God. That's what it says. That's a heavy thought for me. But you know what I've learned? The more I commune with God, the more that I experience His love, it's much easier to obey. It's much easier to address the sin in my life and, and to recorrect and seek repentance when you're in relationship with Almighty God. And sometimes, I'm, gonna, I'm not saying for you, but I've worked at churches that they let pride, oh, we're a big church, or we got this gorgeous sanctuary, or whatever it is. They need to repent and obey and go back to the basics about connecting and loving God. I told you this so that my joy may be in you. You're the branch. Connected to the vine. He's saying, you're going to get His joy. And that your joy may be, what's the word? Complete. Full. So what happens, Marshall, if I really am trying to commune and connect and abide and remain in God? What happens? It says, my joy abides in you. You get God's joy. Christ's joy. And I found that out when I got my bummer in the summer attitude and I go spend some time communing and connecting and making sure I'm remaining in Him, my Jesus attitude suddenly gets a lot better. I can throw the best pity party in town when I'm not connected to God. And I'm not a good guy to be around like that. But when I abide in Christ... No matter the circumstances, I hope I'm a better husband. I hope I'm a better pastor. I hope I'm a better friend. Because it says Jesus had joy that could endure the cross. He wants to fill each one of you with that same joy. Oh, guess what your church name is. Okay, so... I love this. I love abiding. You guys are with me, right? So here's your homework. Last slide. I want you to go. Let's practice. Say, I am a branch. I'm not going to try to be the gardener today. I'm not going to judge others' worth. And I'm not going to judge my worth. You see how cool that was for me to be able to tell that young man this last night? Is it any accident? 
I am the branch. I will stay attached to Jesus and depend on Jesus to st- and depend on Jesus to stay alive in me. That's truth. So Joy Christian Church, abide, remain, remember your branch. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and for your truth. I thank you for this church, Father. I look forward to seeing as they abide, as they commune, as they connect to you, to see the fruit. Let them be a trellis where the broken and the hurting can interwind in this church and they can learn the real joy and love of Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, Amen. And I'm, I, if any of you need prayer after, because I know he's going to lead some worship, I'm, I hang around and would love to pray with you. But thank you for letting me hang out with you again. And You guys are a gift. So here's the thing. Communion with God, when you don't feel like it, doesn't mean He isn't there for you. When you're too busy, or you feel like you're going through the motions, abiding is the buster. Connecting is the buster. And it starts with one thing and one thing over to abide is you surrender. You surrender to Him. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys.